Today, I have the privilege of talking to you about three things from Mark chapter 11. If you're new to Timberline, we are going verse by verse through the book of Mark, and we have been for a very long time. We're not leaving anything out. Today, I get to talk to you about a donkey. Everybody say donkey. And a fig tree. And the temple. They're all just in these 25 verses or whatever it is in Mark 11. Some would say they're connected. Some would say they're not connected. But today they're going to be connected. And I got to tell you that the King James Version for the word donkey uses the word ass. Don't say it. I grew up never being able to say that word. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I'm not going to use that word today. But this story is basically saying God can use a donkey. So if you know somebody who's a donkey, God can use them. I don't really like it when God uses people that I, I don't like. You know what I mean? It's like, who do they think they are? They, you know, and, then, and then God says, well, let's look at you. So we have a few challenges today we're going to have to overcome. And you're going to have to work with me on some of these things. Because the story is powerful. And I'm going to try to find a way to connect these three things. Because I think there is a connection in a spiritual sense to all three of them. Number one in your outline, if you're following along, is the donkey. And the little fill in the blank is ordinary and useful. Ordinary and useful. Now, what is about to happen is Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem. He's going to spend some time there. Then he's going to be arrested, beaten, flogged. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And he's going to be resurrected from the dead. But this is his like big entry into Jerusalem as the king, as we know him as the king, the, the real king. And I want you to take a look at how this story comes about. Because if you were one of the disciples, how would you respond if you were in the story? Verse, 11, verse uh, um, 1 as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they, they came to the towns of Bethpage and, and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you're going to see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Fine so far if I'm a disciple. Untie it and bring it here to me. And thank God he knew what they were thinking. And he said, oh, and if anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and we'll return it. Like how many of you need a little more than that? You know, if I'm going to take a donkey that doesn't belong to me and someone says, what are you doing? Oh, the Lord needs it. Uh, we'll bring it back you know, next year sometime. There's no detail here. The two disciples left. They found the colt standing in the street, tied outside of the front door, as they were untying it, sure enough, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus told them to say. I love this. Um, it's for Jesus and we'll bring it back. Okay. They were permitted to take it. 
They brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Wow. What does it mean to be ordinary and useful? The setting is the Roman Empire. That's who's in charge. When a king rides into Jerusalem, do you think it's going to be on a donkey? No offense to donkeys. Uh, no. I want you to let your mind go to the entourage of a king coming into a city. It's going to be with all the regal, all the horses, all the, the purple, which represented royalty in that day, the linen. It's going to have coaches and swordsmen and soldiers and fancy brass and steel and gold, chariots of gold. It's going to have, it's going to be impressive. And everyone is supposed to stand back and go, oh, that's the king. Look at that. Get your phone. Take pictures. And Jesus says, I'm going to ride into Jerusalem as the king. Could you go get that donkey for me? What? This is, this is why Jesus was trying to teach his disciples the first will be Last. You want to be the greatest? Then be the servant. Want to be the king? Then ride a donkey. And boy, as you look at this and you think, the kingdom of this world is still so messed up with, what else can I say? Image. Image. How I look, how good I look, what I wear, how I dress, what I drive, where I live. Image, image, image. I want people to believe this about me. Jesus just didn't care. Why? It wasn't one of his values. You can buy books on how to influence people, how to make them believe something you're not. But that isn't the kingdom of God. God wants us to be us. And there's no image needed. There's nothing more than the way he created you to be that you need to try to be. You're his prize. You're his creation. You're made in the image of God. Wow. I don't, I don't get that fully. All of us still struggle with image issues sometimes. We want to be loved. We, we want to have influence. It's, it's just normal. I don't I don't want to that be that way sometimes, but in being really vulnerable, which we are from this pulpit and in this living room, this is not easy. But it's a lesson learned that Jesus models for us in reality. Get, get the donkey. I'm good with that. That represents my servant heart, and there's nothing greater than that. Huge contrast to the world that we now live in and the then-known world as well. Well, it even, it even goes deeper with the next one, and that's number two in your outline, the fig tree. And the fill-in is no fruit. No fruit. Now, a fig tree is supposed to bear fruit, but there's a little bit of confusion about this particular fig tree, and 
I welcome, I love it when people dive in and study and read, you know, commentations about it and check out scholars and what they say. There's some great theologians who have talked a lot about this fig tree. Let me read what it says and then I'll bounce into some of the thoughts. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, um, Jesus was hungry. So this is, there's a physical need driving this. He noticed the fig tree in full leaf. That's very important. Full leaf, just a little way off, it gave him hope. Wow. So he went over to see if he could find some figs. But there were only leaves. Now listen to this. Because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. He's irritated. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 20 because there's some talk about the temple here. But he finishes about the fig tree in verse 20. The next morning as they passed by, the fig tree that he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day. And he exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. And that's pretty fast, one day. And Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Wow, what a story this is. So what's with the fig tree? It was too early for it to have figs. Why did it frustrate Jesus when he went there and it didn't have figs, right? And the answer lies in the fact that it was so leafy. It gave the appearance that it would have figs. And it created an appetite for something to nourish him. And when he got there, it had no figs. It had the appearance. Does that remind you of a word I've been using already in this message, like image? And a lot of scholars will tell about this story that he is literally talking here about the religious leaders of his day, the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, Sadducees, uh, teachers of the law, who had the image, who had the leafiness of having good in them, fruit, and they memorized scripture, they gave, but they have no fruit. They want people to like them. They want people to believe that they're special and that they have influence. They give a lot of money because they have a lot of money, and they give it openly so people can see how much they give. They have no fruit. Their motive is all wrong. They do things only for perception. And Jesus curses it and said, may no one eat from this fruit. What is he doing? He's attacking hypocrisy of any kind. Whew, that's tough. I don't, I'm not trying to accuse you of anything, but I will say it of me. I work on trying to make my hypocrisy smaller and smaller every single day. Because I think all of us have a little bit of it. And I don't know how to get rid of it completely, but I know if you're aware of it and you're working on it, God can bless that. His grace is sufficient. Amen? But it's, it's there and it's, it's real. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to have any part of that. 
You might be leafy and you might look really good and you might draw a crowd, you might have people run to you, but if there's no fruit, your life means nothing. Wow, pretty harsh. So it's a challenge for us to say, what does this really mean in my life to work on this image to try to be leafy? There's just too many leafy people in the world. And I don't know how you can tell the difference. Jesus used this to help us to understand. Don't trust everyone just by their leafiness. Well, I've done this, 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 and this, and this. Is there fruit? Does the fruit of the Spirit inhabit their soul, their life? What comes out of them when they're angry? Are they greedy? Are they lustful? Do they have habits? Are, there thi- are they jealous? Do they gossip? They look very successful, but they're not. By the standards of the kingdom, they're trying to be the the regal horse and the king sitting on it rather than on the donkey representing servanthood and kindness and graciousness. Let's go to number three. This is the temple. And the fill-ins are simply lost its purpose. The temple lost its purpose. Now let me just say this before I read this. What, what is the temple? What's the whole thing about the temple? In the Old Testament, this was a, a way bigger deal than it is now because there was this place called the Holy of Holies. Anyone ever studied this or you're aware of it? And the Holy of Holies, and, and this goes back to Moses, this goes back to the priests that God would use, and the presence of God, literally, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God would be placed in this room. Now, a priest wouldn't go in this room without a bell tied to their garment and a rope tied around their waist or on their leg. You know why? Because if they went in there with sin in their life or any hypocrisy, when they encountered the presence of God, they would drop dead. And if the bell stopped ringing because they dropped dead, no one else would go in there and get the body out because they would drop dead. So they tied a rope around them and everyone gets in a line and plays tug of war with a dead body called the priest. I am so glad that's not the case today. (laughs) I'm telling you, if I had to walk on this platform every weekend with a rope tied around me and a bell, I would resign today. Wow. But that shows you, I want you to feel the value and the importance and the necessity of God's holiness. We can never measure up. I get that. But God is holy. And this is a very important moment in fast forward to the New Testament and what Jesus is trying to to, to accomplish with the temple. Now let me ask the question. That no longer exists. Does God still, does God live, this is not a temple, by the way. Does God live in a building like this? No, he doesn't. Like, he's not hiding over here on this chair going, when we all leave today, he's not like, oh, I miss him. I wish they would come back. See you next Sunday. No, what is the temple now? 
Keep that in mind as I read this, and then we'll talk about it. When they arrive back in Jerusalem, Jesus goes into the temple and he begins driving out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifices, which they were required to do, by the way. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves because they were ripping people off. Their scales were crooked. The Bible tells us this in other places. He stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and the teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, think about this, they began planning how to kill him. He was exposing their leaves, their leaves. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and his disciples left the city. What was happening? It was interesting. I had a, a situation. This is probably, I don't know, it's been, it might be 15 years ago. I had someone who was in this facility, though, walk right down this aisle and meet me right here after a, a sermon. And it was, I said, hi. They said, hi. My, it's my first time here. I said, welcome. They said, the presence of God cannot live in this space. I said, well, the presence of God lives in this space. And I said, no. You have a cafe out there and you're selling coffee. You've made the church a marketplace by selling coffee. And I said, well, it is the will of the Lord. <laughs> That's what I said. I was trying to joke around with him, but he wouldn't have it. I mean, it was like, I will not be back to this place. If Jesus came in here, he would overturn the money changers. And I'm like, well, we don't really have any money changers. And I think you've completely missed the whole point. I tried to tell him we don't even make a profit on our, our cafe. We pay to have it. And we keep our pride. We just want people to gather, get a cup of coffee, be together, because we value fellowship. But he was so hung up on this that he had become a Pharisee. And he didn't even see it in his own life. I offered to buy him some coffee. <laughs> it's funny, stuff like that used to really get to me. You know, when you're younger and you're, and now, like I had my 65th birthday last month and I'm, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> don't, don't clap. <laughs> it's very refreshing. Um, but I, I'm never going to get mean about it, okay, I promise. So I, I just want you to know. But there's, there's something powerful about walking in the truth of Scripture and not making it weird for people but yet really being respectful of the heart. And Jesus was trying to say, this idea of your temple, you need to keep this cleaned out. Deceit doesn't belong here. Hatred doesn't belong here. Envy doesn't belong here. Lust doesn't belong here. Greed doesn't belong here. This is the temple. God lives here. Turn over the money changers. Get, get that out of you today. Repent. Trust God to, to put a new heart, new eyes, new vision, new spirit, because it matters what you take on in your temple. And that's what he's illustrating. 
get that cleaned up. Because I live there, and I'm not going to tolerate that. I don't want that. You know, the old holiness days of the church like I grew up in, I don't want that to go away so much that we have no fear of God. Let me tell you, God is a holy God, and he cares what you put in your body, what you put in your brain, and it matters to God. And so we, as the people of God, need to pay attention to the temple, and that's why Jesus is highlighting it. There are three things that I want to wrap up with today that I want you to think about, and they're in direct correlation to the donkey and the fig tree and the temple. Number one, God can and will use our lives. God can and will use our lives. Be it a donkey, whatever you feel your limitations are, or how puffed up you might be, how great you think you are, God wants to use you as you are, where you are, any time of any day. I want you to get up every morning with a purpose. It might just be going to the grocery store, but good things happen in the grocery store besides food. When you take a walk around the neighborhood, there just might be an encounter with someone that is an ordained moment by God, and you think it's just coincidence. If you're walking with God, you don't have such a thing in your life. Your every step is ordained by God. So if you believe that, you're not going to be surprised. You're going to be prepared. You're going to be ready. Not making it weird or spooky, but ordained by God. You are enough. Those of you especially that deal with insecurities and I'm not enough and I just wish I could have this and that. Stop it. Let God show you today that you're his daughter. You're his son. You are enough. He made you the way he made you. The second one is just that we were born to bear fruit. It should just be a natural outflow of our lives. I don't, you shouldn't have to get up an apple tree doesn't just get up in the morning and say, oh, come on, apple, pop out there somewhere, please. Come on. They're going to cut me down if there's no apples. No, it's just part of the DNA of the tree, and, and that's what you are. You don't have to work at it or try harder. The, your salvation is a gift to you from God. Being Godlike is a process. It's a journey. And when you have that desire and you have a longing to follow Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is going to follow your behaviors, your patterns, your, your habits, your addictions or lack of addictions. That's going to fall off of you. And you might not even know when it happened. You know, I don't really do that anymore. I don't know why. I just, I just don't do that anymore. Something fell off of me. Because you're becoming more like Jesus. And then the third one is just to have a purpose. We have a purpose from God. The temple. We are not without purpose. That's why God chose to live in us. <laughs> That's why. And that means that you are an amazing human being used by God. And I'm not just trying to pump you up with that. I mean it. Way more than you think. Way more than I think. Even with all of our weaknesses, God loves you. I want, I want Matthew to come up here for a second. I need to talk with him about altar in the valley because this is a very big launch today of what we're going to do over the next few months and Matthew's an incredible songwriter singer um, loves God his whole family the McGinley family grew up here so thankful for you and uh, our partnership with the Scent Project um, 
just a great, a great thing. To t- just start us out by saying, what is the altar in the valley? What is this, pro- not just the song that we sang today, but yeah. the project, Altar in the Valley. Talk a little bit about what that is. Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> a lot of it started just years and years ago, and I've had a lot of friends that have dealt with um, depression, anxiety, and even to the point where I remember just years and years ago helping a, uh, having to walk onto campus with a friend of mine because he was so paralyzed by just anxiety and depression that he was going through just to help him finish his degree. And ever since then, I've just been crying out to the Lord and praying just like, God, I want to see this. I want to see him overcome this. I want to see healing. And I've, I've walked with people who have, who have shared with me, you know, suicidal thoughts or somebody going through a divorce and just all these different things kind of brought me to this point of just crying out and praying to the Lord and, and then writing these songs of just worship and praying these things over people. And so that's where a lot of these songs came from. And then as we were working on the songs and putting out a music album, we felt like we really wanted to take it even a lot further, that we obviously believe in the power of songs to heal people, but we also really wanted to get people just kind of up and moving. And so we're creating, uh, along with this that launches tomorrow, a 24-day experience for people walking through trials of any kind. It could be those things like anxiety and depression, or it could just be that you're walking through something really hard, like the story that I shared earlier uh, about my wife and I. But this is basically just a 24-day journey where people can actually uh, symbolically walk the Grand Canyon from the North Rim to the South Rim in 24 days, because it's 24 miles. And so we're inviting people to walk about 15 to 20 minutes a day outside if they can. And you don't have to walk, but that's kind of, we want people to get kind of moving. and. And listen to these experiences where it's just a devotional that includes some worship music, some time of prayer and reflection. And then we also got um, speakers from all over the world, really, to do these. And a couple of them from Timberline and around this area. Um, But really just believing that these audio experiences will be life-changing for people. So just in a nutshell, the format is going to be 15 to 20 minutes per day as you're you're walking. And you're going to listen to, you're going to download this, I'll tell you how in a minute, from our website. And every day, it's going to have a new audio with music, and then you're going to hear someone give a five to seven minute devotional. I did one of these, and I'm telling you, it was amazing. I, I really took, I, I took a story of me and Bonnie in one of our lowest points of our life um, with the pregnancy that we had with our daughter Erica, and it was really emotional for us. We were in the valley, and I didn't know if we'd get out of that valley. It was hard. And I share that, and we just built an altar in that valley. That's really what we did. We said, God, this has to be you. And so you're going to hear 24 people from around the world who are telling a story like that of when they had to build an altar in the valley and how God came. So, you know, you might be thinking of someone who really needs something like that. Maybe you don't right now at this season of your life, but maybe you have kids or parents and you can get them going. We're not selling anything, so this isn't a marketing thing. It's truly to help people get out of a funk, if I can say that, in their thinking. And we want you to go walking. You know, I said, can we just make it so that if they stop walking, the audio stops? (laughs) They're like, no, we can't do that. So yes, you can sit on your couch and do it. But these guys, just to say this, they actually did the walk, the Grand Canyon 24 uh, Matthew, uh, his brother Josh, and Jonathan, and a friend of theirs, signed up. And this past June, they did the 24-mile walk all the way down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and all the way back up in one day. Was that easy? 
not at all. No. Tell us about <laughs> it. Real fast, just tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a really great time. I mean, it was it was fun, but it was it was really tough. Probably one of the hardest things I've ever done physically in my life. It was like 110 degrees because we ended up going late June. Uh, we were trying to go earlier, but it got pushed back. And so, but it was just a really meaningful time with this project and uh, for us being able to do this and accomplish something like that. So it was pretty amazing. So. You can go get ready. We're going to sing this song, um, and, and I, I just want to say, pray about taking this journey. It's basically one mile of, of walking or listening, 15 to 20 minutes, and letting God help you to build an altar in the valley, because some of you are there right now. So here's, what, here's how I want to wrap up today. I want you to respond to this message in a real honest, vulnerable way to God. And if you find yourself in a valley at all, and you can also stand for someone you know is in a valley that might not be able to be here. Maybe they live in another state. But as we're not going to sing the whole song again. We're going to sing about a minute and a half of this song. And as, as they sing it, I'm going to just ask you who know you're in a valley and you want to build an altar in this valley to say, I trust God with this situation that I'm gonna ask you to stand at any point during the music. Then at the end of the song, when I come back, I'm just gonna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here or talk to anybody, and then the rest of us are gonna stand and we're gonna be dismissed. So if you feel like you wanna respond to that, if you feel that nudge that the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, why don't you represent someone else? Why don't you stand for yourself? But it's a valley experience and you're giving it to God, then during this next minute and a half, just stand to your feet. Step by step, Lord, I will follow you here today. You still be a model when I don't have the faith to trust. Still, I choose to. Stone by stone, this is my offering. All my heart sifted through suffering when I don't have the strength to praise. Still, I choose to.
agree with me in prayer, church? Lord, we pray for those right now standing to their feet, whether they're standing for someone else or their own valley experience, they are depending on you. Thank you that they are. And we just pray today, we agree together as a church, as a family, in our living room here today, that you will be so close to them, that you will reveal yourself. Mighty God, holy God, protecting God, deliverer God, be these things. I pray God right now that your touch would be so real in their heart that they would build an altar in this valley right now and say, I trust God. As we sang it earlier, yes, I will. We thank you. We give it to you because we trust you. Let us hold on to these truths today as we walk out of here to represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Would the rest of you stand and join these? I'd like to ask our prayer team to come. We love our prayer team. We thank you guys so much for being here so faithfully. Some of you aren't done yet, and you're being prompted to let someone pray over you, agree with you for the situation you're going through. Do that before you leave, okay? Don't be in a rush. There's tables out there in the mall. Summit's later today. There's a welcome center if you're new. Please go say hi. Uh, uh, we would love to take you around, show you around. If you have questions about Timberline, do that. But let love live is kind of our mantra. It's kind of what we're trying to do every single day. So I want you to, to say those three words with me before we go out of here today. Here we go. Let love live. <laughs> I love you guys. God bless you. Thank you for being Timberline. Have a great weekend.